Welcome to this episode of Back to the Point. I'm your host, Rick Goulding from BC High's class of 2004. And today on the pod, we have Keith McGilvery, who's a member of the class of 2001, who's also a morning anchor on the morning show on Fox 61 News in Hartford. Uh, he's on the air every day, Monday through Friday, uh, from 4 a.m. to 11 a.m. So uh, as you can imagine, that's a little bit of a grueling schedule. We talked to him a little bit about that. We talked about um, his path uh, from BC High to where he is today. Uh, we talked about um, some of the ways the BC High community has really stepped up in his life. Um, and, and, and some of, you know, some, some of the stories that he's covered, uh, good and, and difficult, uh, from, um, his time being, being involved with the media, um, as a member of the media, I should say, a uh, couple of housekeeping points here before we roll into that. As you'll hear on the podcast, my wife and I are expecting, uh, a daughter pretty much any day now. Um, to the point where I'm recording this in my basement and my wife could come down the stairs right now and say, it's time to go. And I would just have to grab our bags and we would have to go. Uh, so what that means in terms of this podcast is I'm going to be taking a little break. Um, I'm not exactly sure how long it will be yet, but we're going to step away for a little while, um, in, in terms of, uh, new, new podcasts. So, uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, we'll be back, and don't worry, it's not the podcast isn't going away completely. But uh, we are going to take a break just so I can, you know, help my family settle into a new routine with a with a new member of our family. And uh, once once the, all that settles down, we'll be back, and um, we still have a lot of cool stuff that we want to do, uh, and we have a list of folks that we want to talk to um, that we have in mind as upcoming guests. Uh, so stick, stick, stick by us. Don't go anywhere. Um, keep this on your, keep this on your Apple podcast or, or your feed, um, so that you know when we get fired up again. Um, as always, we want to hear from all of you in terms of, uh, your feedback for the podcast. Um, you know, we've kind of done it through one school year now. So we've, as you know, we've talked to some administrators at the school, some faculty and some staff. Um, but you know, we're coming to the end of a, of a school year. Uh, and if there's anything you want to hear about over the summer while, um, while, you know, the students are on summer break, if there's anybody that we can bring in, um, and talk to that would be of particular interest to anyone, please let us know. Um, and in general, if there's anything I can be doing better or any, anyone can be doing better that's involved with this podcast, let us know. Cause as I've said pretty consistently, we want we want this to be something that you're excited about, you're engaged with, and uh, that that really um, that re- re- that's something you look forward to. Uh, so you know where to reach us. Back to the point at bchigh.edu, uh, at BC High on Twitter, at BC High Eagles on Instagram. Uh, I'm at Rick Goulding three. Um, so yeah, reach out to us. Let us know what you think. And, um, yeah, I'll miss you guys while I'm away. Uh, I have a blast doing this all the time. Um, uh, so it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a, a little bit of a change for me stepping away for a little while. But, uh, as I said, just, just want to help my family get settled and then, you know, we'll be back at it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Cause as I said, we've got a lot of exciting stuff 
And uh, we'll have a nice opportunity over the summer to kind of talk to a lot of people, I think. I think it's going to be good. So, um, like I said, stick stick with us. Keep this on your feed. And um, looking forward to talking to you guys again soon. Uh, but right now, we have Keith McGilvery. We have a great story. We have a lot of um, really great pieces of wisdom and knowledge from him. Uh, so let's do it. Friday, uh, April 5th, and we're recording um, from my basement. We have on the line joining us today, Keith McGilvery, who's the morning anchor on Fox 61 News in Hartford. Uh, You can catch him Monday through Friday from 4 a.m. if you're up that early, all the way up to 11 a.m. Keith, thanks so much for joining us today. I should also mention that you're uh, you're a member of the class of 2001. I'm the class of 2001, and I'm from Milton, and I've listened to a bunch of podcasts. And they are great, so I'm psyched that you thought to include me, and it's nice to chat with you. No, yeah, it's great. And and we should mention to people, actually, that just a few weeks ago, uh, Keith and I had intended to do this podcast live uh, down in Hartford um, when he had one of his breaks on his show. Uh, But unfortunately, we weren't able to do it because the night before I was supposed to go down, my wife started having contractions, and and I, I was just concerned about being in Hartford. So... Keith, Keith has been a great sport about rescheduling this and getting um, finding time for us. So thank you so much. Not a worry at all. And uh, congratulations on, I know you have fun already, but a second on the way. So congratulations. And if, if there was a good reason to cancel, that was it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I didn't want to cancel because I was, I was excited to see the studio, excited to meet you in person. Um, but it was one of those things where... I felt like if I if I went and I, I went down to Hartford, that my wife would definitely have the baby while I was like, you know, stuck in traffic trying to get back. Um, but if I didn't go, and of course it worked out this way, uh, I didn't go and she didn't end up having the baby yet. So um, here we are, what, a week a week or so later on the phone. Yeah, neither of us need to live with, with the fact that uh, you would have been out of town. So it's, uh, And the beauty of what we do is you can do it from anywhere. Yeah, no, this is great. And, and again, thank you. Uh, for taking time on your Friday afternoon to do this with me. Happy to do it. So I guess I, I guess where I want to start is, you know, I, personally, I don't know any anchor person. And um, I, I, I would be really interested to kind of start with what's what's a day like for you? When does it start? You know, what's it what's it like, you know, being on the air from 4 a.m. 4 all the way to 11? Uh, just kind of run us through all of that. Adventure. I call it a marathon each and every morning. So I, I've been doing this for about 10 years, but I'm new to the morning shift. So up until recently, I've been a nighttime anchor uh, working the 5.30 and 11 p.m. news in Vermont. And I came to Connecticut about a year and a half ago for this opportunity to do mornings in Hartford. And it is an adventure. So folks always want to know when I give station tours, they say, what time do you go to bed? What time do you wake up? <laughs> Typically, I'm in bed most days between 5.30 and 6.30. And then my alarm clock goes off at 2 a.m., uh, at which point uh, I'm up, I'm out of bed, I have the TV going, I'm listening to headlines from overnight from the different cable channels, I'm kind of flipping around. I'm in the dressing room by 3 to hopefully make myself look presentable, and then our show 
with an ensemble cast or a group of anchors and reporters. We go on air at 4 o'clock, and yes, uh, starting uh, in April, a couple of days, we're going to be on from 4 a.m. to 11 a.m. So it is a marathon for sure. Yeah. I, I, let me ask you. <laughs> let me ask you a question. How much coffee do you drink? Okay, so you're gonna laugh at this, but I'm a morning anchor and I do not drink coffee. You're, no, no. So, so people looked at me with crazy eyes on the show last week because I had my first cup of hot coffee ever, which nobody believes. But I gave up caffeine a year and a half ago because I took this morning job, and everyone says you're crazy. But I gave up soda altogether because I was trying to find a way to help myself fall asleep at 5.30 in the afternoon. And I like the smell of coffee, but I've never taken to drinking it. So I do not drink coffee. It's seltzer water in the morning for me. Um, and we rock and roll. The lights come on. They're on at 4 a.m. Once everybody is there and kind of in the building, we're all in our groove. We uh, are having a good time and you kind of forget what time it is. But I don't drink coffee just yet. I... I... You're stunned, right? Oh, I'm I'm dumbfounded, and and that's not a knock on you. That's a compliment to you. I just I can't imagine being up that early and not drinking coffee. I'm I'm drinking coffee as we record this podcast in the afternoon, and we should find a way to like bottle up whatever is going on with you because that's incredible. Yeah, I kind of live by this motto that um, I picked up from a, a college buddy who had a mentor who was a nun. Her name Sister Pat Harrington. She would always say, say yes in the morning. My buddy Chris kind of brought it into my life and kind of it's my philosophy. When I'm up, I'm ready to go and let's make the best of the day. But it does not include up until now hot coffee or caffeine. So can't explain that one. Amazing. And you said you had your first cup the other day? Yeah, which was bizarre because people are going to be like, where are you in life? Who is this guy? I don't even know how it came up. We do a coffee cup salute on our morning show every day where we recognize a different nonprofit business community group where we trade in our Fox 61 coffee mug for a coffee mug that's representative of one of these organizations. And somehow it smelled right and I gave it a try. But uh, for people to think I'm a full-grown adult who had his first cup of hot coffee, people are probably rolling their eyes at that one. But yeah, I haven't... Uh, I haven't uh, the so when you had your first cup, though, <laughs> did did it did it take hold, or were you just kind of like, eh, it's fine? I was just like, yeah, it is what it is. I moved on. Um, <laughs> I don't know. People are probably think I'm crazy, but uh, that's the way it goes. Gotcha. Well, no, that's that's incredible. And and tip tip of the cap to you. Um, let let me ask you this: What's it like? Uh, What's it like being in front of the, the lights and the teleprompter and all that every morning and just kind of in the back of your head knowing that uh, there's an audience that's kind of watching you? I mean, what's, mentally, what's that like? Uh, so mentally now, it's a lot different from when I started. I started about 10 years ago at a small NBC station in Virginia, Charlottesville, Virginia, and I was mortified. Um, uh, every day was nerve-wracking. You wouldn't believe it. I was stressed out of my mind. But as you get used to it and more comfortable, almost like the conversation that we're having now, the best morning television especially is when you're in a dynamic where it's just like you're talking to a friend, sitting on a couch, you're sitting at a bar with somebody, you're having an actual conversation. Um, so we try to think about it as if we are talking to somebody at home and we're not talking to a camera, we're not talking mm-hmm. into lights or teleprompters. Um, the more conversational it is, the more relaxed we are, hopefully the better broadcast that is. I think gone are the days where it's like a serious anchor man who's preaching headlines from the studio. 
Um, we very much try to bring people into the conversation. What is helpful with the dynamics that I'm in now is that uh, there are a number of us on the team. So it's an ensemble cast of anchors. We have two weather folks. Uh, Maggie does a great job on traffic. I have a great co-anchor. Um, and it builds what I think is a great team mentality. And it, you're spending a morning with friends, which is how we want folks to feel when they're tuning in on any given morning, whether tuning in at 4 a.m. or 9 a.m. We're there in the morning, and um, the best mornings are when it's a conversation between friends, and you almost forget uh, that the lights and cameras are there. But there are a lot of lights and cameras. I think we probably have five or six cameras in the studio, and I always tell people there are about 150 lights uh, in the studio with about a mile of sports cable when I've asked that question. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes that people at home don't see. And, and just so people know, uh, you mentioned this a minute ago when we were talking before we started recording. Um, you legitimately like the people that you co-anchor with and work with. That is the biggest question that I get. Do you guys really get along? And I am so fortunate in this job where we're all waking up in the middle of the night. We're all coming in to do this job. It's a team effort. I genuinely like everybody that I work with, which doesn't happen for everybody everywhere, but it is a great group of folks. I just went out to lunch before you're chatting with a former co-anchor. Um, you got to love each other, and you got to love the work that you're doing. Otherwise, what's the point of waking up at, at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning? And we have a great team, uh, and it's a great mix of personalities. I think we all bring different strengths to the table. Um, so it's a good mix, and hopefully it's uh, fun and informative, and folks are getting the information that they need to start the day. Like, we're giving you the serious information, but we have great weather coverage. We try to have a little bit of fun um, as well. So it is a good mix, but whole gang... Uh, we spend a lot of time together, so it would be hard to hide if we didn't get along. Um, yeah. Luckily, we are pretty fortunate. When, when, when you're talking about not getting along with your co-anchors, I just have this image in, he in my head from uh, Anchorman when Veronica Corningstone and Ron Burgundy are on the air. And they're not, you know, they're, they're upset at each other. I, I mean, I, I won't, we obviously won't go into that. But uh, yeah, I can't imagine that you could hide that. We um, we get along really really well, which I am feel so so fortunate that that is the case. Um, but yeah, the, the egos the egos are left at the door, and when you're on for seven hours every day, we're expanding to seven hours. Like you need to be, everybody needs to be rowing the boat the same direction, or else you know, candidly, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Oh, that makes total sense. Yeah, and it's not like there's room for error. I mean, you guys you guys are in front of like you said five cameras. It's <laughs> there's nowhere to hide. There is no, uh, well, we make mistakes every day. The beauty of it is you kind of just acknowledge them and move on. It's part of being human, but uh, you're right. There is nowhere to hide. So uh, all the bloopers are there for the world to see. We just hope most mornings are on a ton of them. <clears throat> okay. Well, so how, what, what led you to kind of want to be involved with the news and, and um, in this type of, this type of position? So I was that kid. I was that annoying kid who wanted to do like who knew what he wanted to do when he was little and stuck to it. Uh, I had a cousin who was a personal trainer when I was little uh, in the Boston area, and she took me to Channel 5, so your Boston audience is going to know them well. Uh, she took me to Channel 5 and introduced me to a great morning anchor at the time. His name was Jim Boyd. He showed me around the station, and he told me if I worked hard, I could do it um, one day. And I said, you know what? That's great. I had a teacher growing up. I lost a student council election in middle school, and you remember middle school, I thought it was like the end of my life. I, was, <laughs> I didn't believe that it happened. I lost student council to a more popular brother. 
the whole thing. I was crying at school, and I had an assistant principal, Anna McReynolds. She said, you know what? I'm going to have you do the morning announcement. You don't have, a, you don't have trouble talking. So between my visit with Jim Boyd at Channel 5, a uh, vice principal who said, we're going to have you do the morning announcement, kind of, I ran with it, and it was what I always wanted to do. Um, and, you know, I, we just pushed forward. I was lucky, even when I was at BC High, uh, there were a lot of great anchors in Boston at the time that I saw on TV all the time. Joe Shortsleeve was a longtime anchor at BZ. Uh, and right now, folks can watch Mark Ockerbloom at Boston 25 uh, Monday through Friday. He's the main guy over there. So there were guys that I saw on TV from BC High who did it ahead of me. It was an attainable goal. Um, I thought it wasn't the easiest career path, but, you know, I don't know which ones are these days. Um, <laughs> and I thought, I've been at a couple of stations, and you just try to do the best you can. Yeah, so you just you just knew that this is what you wanted to do, and what? How did that play into your time at BC High? How did it play into my time at BC High? Well, I'll tell you. When I had to pick a Catholic confirmation name, and everybody else went with a saint, I went with a morning news anchor. <laughs> so, my confirmation name is Charles after Charles Gibson. At the time, I was like, "Well, how is that any different from picking a saint that I have never met?" Um, so this was ingrained early on. For for a little surprise, my confirmation sponsor was a BC High teacher, Karen Keo. Um, so brought everyone by surprise there. But a lot of things at BC High led me to this. Um, public speaking was huge. I was involved with youth and government at BC High. I did student council at BC High. I was editing the yearbook. Um, so there were a lot of things that kind of paved the way for for this experience. I think one of the great parts of the school is that. Um, it allowed you to be your authentic self, that you could pursue things that you were passionate about. Um, and I was not an athlete. I had brothers who went to the schools, uh, went to BC High as well, a dad who was a, a Hall of Fame athlete for BC High. And uh, it wasn't my thing, but I found other avenues to pursue. And uh, I knew that I wanted to, to do news. Um, I walked across the street at one point. The television station was across the street from BC High when I was growing up, asked them for a job. They came. I think I was 16. They told me to come back after a few years of college under my belt, and I did. Um, so it was like always in sight. I could see the television station of BC High. I saw BC High grads doing what I wanted to do, and mm -hmm. you know, I had a, a support network and an extracurricular network of things that I think eventually made me comfortable with what I'm doing. Yeah. No, that sounds great. Um, and and you you mentioned that you had some brothers who went to BC high, uh, and, and your dad went to BC high. Um, how many, how exactly how many brothers do you have? So I have two brothers. I have a twin Mark. So he graduated in 2001 with me. And then I have an older brother, Brian, uh, who graduated in 99. And then my dad graduated in 2000, uh, 2000, my dad graduated in, uh, 66. Gotcha. So, Two brothers and a dad that went there. I have a great mom and a sister as well, but those are the ones who walked through BC high's door. A cousin who went there, um, a couple of cousins, actually. So it was very much a family situation. But I think that people are often curious, too, about BCI. Like, your dad went there, your older brother went there. Did you have to go there? No. I went I'm from a family where, you know, my mom and dad said, Let's pick a school that's right for you. And we looked at a couple, and I'm from Milton, and there were some really great possibilities to stay in Milton as well. And um, there was no pressure for me, which was great. And um, it was still something that I was fortunate to be able to pursue. Um, but I always tell people, if you compared my dad and my two brothers and myself, I think between the four of us, I don't think we did any two things in common. Uh, my dad was in the BC High Hall of Fame for football and a number of other sports. Brian 
uh, was the National Honor Society. Mark was a wrestler. I did youth and government and edited the yearbook. So uh, fortunately, there was no pressure to kind of follow in dad's footsteps or even my older brother's kind of, you know, find it, find an opportunity that works for you and, and pursue your own passions. Yeah, that's great. And, and with your twin, um, are you guys identical or you, or, or no? So I, I'm about 99% sure that we are not identical. Um, so we were a little bit early. We were premature. So there were some complications and confusion. Nowadays, I think they could just figure it out. I'm about six inches taller. So if you saw us separately, you might get us confused, but side by side, um, you'd be able to tell us apart. Gotcha. When, what was it like going to BC Highway? So <clears throat> my brother went to BC High and I talked last week on the podcast with, uh, with Brian Sears. Um, my brother was three years behind me. So when I was a senior, he was a freshman. I just, I can't imagine what it was like having a brother in the same class. It was an adventure. We were pretty competitive, um, but we also had different interests. And I think that was a concern of my mom's and dad's as well when they kind of encouraged us to look at a couple of different schools. I think sometimes people can be intimidated by BC High size. Um, when you go to campus, you see all these people. Um, it can be a little intimidating, but I think that it also provides a lot of opportunities. Uh, Mark and I didn't have a lot of um, interest in common outside of the classroom, and mm -hmm. there were opportunities for both of us to kind of find what worked for us. Um, I think that in the yearbook I wrote something like, uh, you know, our paths at BC High were different than, from, as different as any two could be, but I think together, you know, we tried to make it a better place. Uh, we were in some of the same classes, uh, but we had different interests in that front too. Um, I think we, were, we may have just been in one class together over the course of our four years. So it wasn't like we were on top of each other. We weren't sitting next to each other in every class. Yeah. Uh, we were together when we needed to be and, and wanted to be, and we were able to kind of explore our own things when that felt right too. Gotcha. No, that's cool. I, like I said, I, I you know, it was, it was, uh, it was a kind of a strange enough situation having my brother it three years apart from me. I, I imagine that. Early on, it probably took some adjustment getting used. Well, you, you probably came up through school with your brother. Yes. I think it, we, I mean, we are very, we're both great people, I hope. I hope we're great people, but we have very different personalities. I think sometimes it took a little while to convince people that we're all related. Um, but uh, yeah, we did go to school together. But even in lower grades, it was like we, we excelled at different things. Um, so we weren't those identical twins who were, who were never apart from one another. And that was important to my parents, too. I mean, they, you know, we were very much treated as individuals, whether it be looking at high schools or colleges or interests, that sort of thing. Um, we had all the benefits of being twins, um, but we weren't, you know, forced into classes together and, and that sort of thing. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, so after you went to BC High and after that, um, you went to Fordham, correct? I went to Fordham, yep. So I won the Paul Hunter Award. I don't know if folks remember, some of your older listeners will remember Paul Hunter. His family um, had a, a Fordham connection. My guidance counselor at the time suggested that I pick up Fordham. I knew that I wanted to go to uh, college in New York City, and the fact that there was a Jesuit college in New York City was the perfect fit for me. I knew I wanted to do news. Um, I loved the idea of a Jesuit education. Um, and the campus was beautiful, mm -hmm. so it was it was a really great fit for me. I was really excited that, that opportunity presented itself. Um, 
It was almost like a larger version of BC High with with women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. What? So what? What did you study while you were uh, while you were at Fordham? So I double majored at Fordham. I double majored in political science um, and communications with a concentration in journalism. Uh, did some great internships there too. The the media capital of the world. So I was at Good Morning America first semester. I did an internship with Twenty Twenty, the news magazine. And then I uh, spent some time with a program called Primetime Live, which occasionally comes back on ABC. Um, but it was a it was a great city to do that. So I studied um, double majored. Had a great opportunity to study abroad as well. I was there for nine eleven, which kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, oh, that was your um, that was your freshman year. Yeah, it was a couple of days after moving in. Oh my God, what was? was let's talk about that for a second. What was that like? That's, I can't imagine what that was like. That's, that's, that's crazy. Um, so when you, you mentioned that you, um, after you got to do kind of these really, it sounds like really interesting internships, uh, during your time at Fordham, um, for, for folks, I'm just thinking of, you know, BC, either BC high current students or BC high, um, folks who are in college, how important would you say intern, internship experiences are? Internships are vital, and I am very candid about the mistakes that I made. So I did great internships at the network level, all the fancy famous people, the bright sets, the fancy studios. Um, they didn't let me touch a whole lot. They didn't let me <laughs> practice or, or do any of that sort of thing. So I was doing a lot of phone calls. A lot of observing. I ended up getting a master's degree at Emerson in Boston a couple of years later just so I could get some of those hands-on skills that allowed me to operate the camera and edit and that sort of thing. Fortunately, folks who are younger than me are learning those skills at BC High now. They're learning those skills on their iPhones. Uh, they're picking up a lot of that on their own, but incredibly valuable for, for networking. I mean, networking with the BC High community uh, has been great. I, I mentioned Mark Ockerbloom is the main anchor at Boston 25. I, I watch him routinely when I'm home. He's been great to look at my material. Um, Joe Shortsleep was a longtime anchor at BZ in Boston. So there were some great examples of people doing great work right in the city. Um, but my profession, as in any profession, is you know who are you meeting along the way? How are you best networking yourself? Who can give you a critique of your work? Um, it's a competitive, competitive industry. Um, so... So the more opportunities you have to kind of get yourself out there and share your skills, the better off I think you're going to be. Yeah, that makes sense. In some of those internships, it sounds like you met you met some folks who are 
pretty famous. Um, when when you met these people, was there anyone that surprised you, kind of in their demeanor? Uh, you know, as it as it was kind of different had what as what, from what you had seen on camera. Um, is there anyone that stood out in that sense? Um, what I think is, and I'm on a much smaller scale than anyone that you're seeing on national television, so I won't draw Harrison there, but I will say is that you see folks on TV all the time, whether it be in local news or Good Morning America or is interning, I think at the end of the day, everybody's a real person. Yeah. Uh, like with real emotions and real thoughts, and most people are really nice. Um, the industry is competitive, but typically when you're going to be on television, especially if you're going to do it in the morning for a number of hours at a time, your authentic self comes through pretty quickly. Um, I was at Good Morning America when Diane Sawyer and Charles Gibson were on the team. And that's a, that's an, that's an all-star cast right there. Yeah. They were great people on camera. They were the best at what they did, but they were genuinely nice people off camera too. I remember I worked, I think it was an election night where Diane Sawyer sent me with her credit card by about 200 breakfast sandwiches in Times Square because she just wanted to make sure everybody, you know, people had been working long hours and she wanted to make sure everybody, you know, had a good breakfast. Wow. Um, and that has been my experience in local television across the three cities that I've lived in uh, and my experiences interning at the network level is that most people you come across, I always say on our morning show, uh, Margo, my co-anchor, and I regularly saying that we think most people are good in the world. Uh, unfortunately, we cover the good and the bad. Uh, it's part of our job in news. But we think, you know, genuinely most people are good. And, and that was my experience with the people I found at ABC and at Fox 61 and, and the CBS station in Vermont, where I was before here. And I started in Virginia, and it was the same way. Gotcha. So... Um, what was the, what, what's been kind of the biggest difference in those three places that you've worked, um, you, you know, Vermont, Virginia, and now Hartford? So geographically, the, the locations were different. I started yeah. in Charlottesville, Virginia, and I was what was called a one-man band. So there, for folks who don't know, I was the camera operator, the editor, the writer, and the person that you saw on TV. Um, so I was driving myself story to story. I was editing all of my own content. Uh, it's pretty typical in small market local news. I did that for about two and a half years. Went up to and went up to CBS in Vermont, uh, and all of a sudden I had like found the glory land because I was working with a photographer every day, which allowed me to focus on the storytelling and my writing and my presentation. I was a street reporter there for a couple of years and then transitioned to uh, anchoring the 11 p.m. news and hosting a daily afternoon talk show. <laughs> that was cooking and interviewing politicians and sending Keith to do yoga and sending Keith to learn how to play polo or horseback ride. <laughs> and there was pretty wild because I'm not an incredible athlete, but it didn't stop folks from sending me out and to be the guinea pig across Vermont. <laughs> uh, and, and then Connecticut is kind of like the, is the largest city. You know, Hartford, rather, is the largest city that I've been a part of so yep. far sporting-wise. Um, there are about 210 cities in the country with television stations, and typically you work way up the ladder to New York, which is number one. And I started in 186, which was Charlottesville, Virginia, went to Vermont, which was 98, 99, and, and Hartford's around 30 or so. So typically as you get to larger cities, you have more resources, your job responsibilities are typically a little bit more defined, um, and the dynamic of the day can be a lot faster, too. I mean, on any given morning on Fox 61, we have an idea of what we're going to cover. 
as the show starts, we'll have breaking news throughout the morning. So you just need to be able to adapt pretty quickly. When I was doing the news in Vermont, uh, there were some days at 8 p.m. I already knew what I was going to say at 11 p.m. just because the nature of the day was a little bit slower. I gotcha. That makes sense. Um, with, uh, I guess my, what I want to ask about is <clears throat> from a professional standpoint, what, on, on the path to kind of where you are today, what was, what was a particularly challenging moment for you and, and kind of how did you overcome that? That's pretty easy. I tell people that the toughest, I joked that when I lived in Charlottesville, Virginia, I was going to write a book it was called Table for One. Um, I was living 11 hours away from home. My days off were Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and they were for quite some time. So I, when I talk to interns and students who want to be on television but may not necessarily want to be journalists or don't know what they want to do, I tell them to think long and hard about it. Um, I love everything that I do, but there are a lot of sacrifices. You know, I didn't have a network of friends when I moved to Virginia. Uh, when Tuesdays and Wednesdays are your days off, it complicates things even more. Um, you work nights, you work weekends, you work holidays, part of the grind. You know it, you get into the business, uh, but living it is a different experience. So kind of getting used to it. I was never homesick, per se, mm -hmm. kind of starting over um, where you didn't have any kind of network, um, you know, family-wise or friends-wise when you're starting, and kind of the whole idea that, that um, the business can be fluid. I picked up and moved after a couple of years in Virginia, wasn't sure how long I'd stay in Vermont. Then the opportunity came up to come here to Hartford. So I've been on the road for about 10 years, but I love to be in Boston one day. Absolutely. But I try to be a real realistic, and I always tell folks kind of enjoy the job you have now and find the great things about what you're doing now because at least I've found if you're constantly kind of chasing that next opportunity, um, you can kind of get lost in the moment. So would I like to work in Boston one day? Absolutely. Are, are all of my eggs in that basket? I don't know that that's the best move, and, and I'm lucky now that I'm in an opportunity that, that I enjoy, and you know, and I enjoyed it, what I've done kind of along the way, um, and, and we'll see what happens next. But I think the whole idea of kind of picking up, moving your entire life somewhere, and then kind of not knowing where it leads next, uh, took some getting used to. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, what parts of your time at BC High or your work at BC High um, have prepared you for the type of work that you're doing today? Um, there is a lot. Um, I think BC, not I think, I know BC High, you'll pick up academics a lot of different places. BC High does it exceptionally well, but, you know, BC High taught me to be a critical thinker. Um, you learn to be compassionate in my line of work. I mean, those were skills or, or ideas for being taught at home for sure for me. I was lucky in that regard. But there were certainly things that were being reinforced at BC High. And I think whether it be critical thinking skills and the fact that I'm on TV and that red light comes on and sometimes I know what I'm going to talk about and sometimes we need to wing it, uh, to be able to think on your feet is key. I think I learned to be curious at BC High. Uh, I ask questions every day for a living. Uh, you learn to be a good listener at BC High. A lot of us like to talk, um, but if you can be a, a, a critical listener, that is too. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of great parts and great stories that I do every day, but there are some awful things too. Um, and oftentimes I'm meeting with people or talking to people at the absolute worst moment in their life and having a perspective that people come from different backgrounds and people have different experiences that they bring to the table. Um, you saw a lot of that 
in BCI mm-hmm. on campus in outreach opportunities and community service opportunities and just kind of being mindful of the fact that, you know, compassion is key. I always say kindness is key. Um, doing the best you can to kind of understand where somebody else is coming from. And if you don't understand where they're coming from, being willing and able and flexible enough to listen um, has been key. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think it's, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, you, you touched on um, having, to, having to talk to folks or, um, you, you know, report on things that are p- particularly difficult or talk to folks at a moment where it's maybe the most, one of the more difficult moments of their lives. Um, what sticks out as, as a particularly challenging either interview or story to report on um, that you can remember? reputation in Vermont as being the sick kid reporter. Um, I met a number of kids in Vermont who faced incredibly challenging hurdles, uh, some who came out on top and um, others uh, who were not as fortunate. I mean, when you see a sick kid traveling from Burlington, Vermont to Children's Hospital in Boston all the time, who's not Mm. strong enough to get out of bed, um, who's you know, slowly losing his fight with cancer when that shouldn't happen to kids and to build a rapport with, you know, him and his family that they want to share their story with you um, is incredibly humbling. It's incredibly heartbreaking. I think stories of, of heartache and tragedy involving little ones has probably been the hardest for us to cover. Yeah. I, I, I'm supposed to have a professional and a polished presence in the morning, but at the end of the day, we are, we're all human beings, so to see people um, struggle, the, the young man, Dre Brockington, who I followed through his illness, and of course, you hope for a happy ending and that he'll get a transplant that will keep him alive. Uh, he lost that fight, and his family shared his, mm. his story with me from the day he got sick uh, through his illness, um, and I remember I was in Holtz when his mom called to tell me that he passed, And it was just something that I'll always remember. Uh, But I think, like, also with with the news business, sometimes people watching at home, they say, well, why would you ever interview his mom? Or why would you ever approach this family at their time of heartache? And I always say our approach, my approach, has always been um, provide the opportunity, provide that platform for someone to share their story. And if they don't want to, then respect their wishes, but Mm. I found more and more over the decade I've been doing this that a lot of these folks in the worst moments of their life want to be heard. They want the lives of their loved ones to feel validated, um, that it's provided them an opportunity to share what they've loved about somebody else with the larger world. So you provide that platform. If it's not for them at this time, you kind of, you're respectful and you move on. Mm Mm-hmm. But I've had a lot of families who have wanted to share their stories. But sick kids, you know, has been pretty tough for sure. Yeah. Oh, I, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, to, to switch gears and do kind of the inverse of the question that I just asked you, what's been a, a, either a story or an interview where you just, you just had a blast? It was, it was, you know, like the highlight of, your, of either your day, your week, month, year, whatever. I have had so many minutes. I get asked that question a lot on tours, too, and there are so many stories that have made my job the best job in the world. <laughs> Reported from Air Force One when President Obama came to Virginia 
Um, I've been on roller coasters. I've traveled all over New England and Vermont. I've gotten to meet all kinds of great people. Even this morning, I was the first person uh, to open up Six Flags New England, uh, you know, the day before it launched. So there were a lot of great days. You meet a lot of great people. Um, but I've been on top of camels. I've been on top of horses. I've done jujitsu. I've done Keith does yoga. Um, <laughs> learned how to cook on TV. Every day is really different, and to see people who are passionate about things and then to have them share, you know, with, with us it has been great. But I always say that every day is different, and every day really is different. Uh, in my job, I always say if I wrote a blog, it would be called Suits and Boots because I come to dress, come to work dressed in a suit. And I have boots under my desk because you never know where your day is going to end. <laughs> the variety of your day is really is really top notch. I was on Disney on Ice. I took the, the ice in Hartford not long ago, doing my my best to portray my 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 Disney doppelganger Woody from Toy Story. <laughs> I, I, yeah, right. You should put photos in your blog. People would know what I'm talking about, but. Uh, so that was great. I mean, what I, you know, just opportunities that average or everyday folks in other professions might not get the chance to do. Yeah. I've had a lot of things, you know, with the Harlem Globetrotters, Disney on Ice, you name it, we've probably done it. That's pretty cool. Um, yes. Does anything, does anything stick out, any, any kind of experiences that you've had where you went into a, a conversation with someone on the air or an interview with someone and it just went completely differently than you thought it would, good or bad? It happens every day. Uh, <laughs> it does. And I think that, that that brings us back to kind of those critical thinking skills that we learn at BC High. Yeah. Can you be a critical thinker? Can you be a good listener? I think the worst interviews are when folks have a list of 10 questions they want to ask, and because they're the questions that they prepared before the interview, those are the questions that they stick with. I think a good interview and a good journalist is able to kind of dodge and weave and, and let the interview subject, drive some of the conversation, but also be willing to kind of listen critically, mm -hmm. follow up where need be. But I go into interviews every single day where I, I think that we might go in one direction and somebody strikes me with an idea or an opinion that, that leads me down another road. And I think you need to be ready, willing, um, and able to adapt. Yeah. It happens, it happens every day. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I mean... I I just think about all the conversations that you must have and and there there's got to be situations where you know your 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 producers or whoever maybe have told you oh yeah you know we're thinking we're going to get this out of out of this particular conversation and it must just go you know the the subject or otherwise just goes sideways I did an interview pretty recently with a young woman who was running a a marathon in Hartford and I was out there on location for the morning show talking to her about her running, well, lo and behold, she was running because she was raising money uh, to help young people in Connecticut struggling with mental illness. And she confides in me on a race course and contemplated taking her own life. Um, and that turned into a story that I followed for a number of months where I met this woman as an incredible athlete, only to months later tell her story about how she contemplated taking her own life by suicide and the work that she was doing at Yale to kind of get other folks on the right track to get her own self-help uh, and her bravery to share that story. I thought I was talking about a road race. Turns out we ended up doing an in-depth piece on her struggles with mental health um, and, and the dangers, you know, of suicide and, and how through her story she could help other people. I mean, 
mean, that's a dramatic example, but it's not uncommon that um, your story changes in the moment uh, or throughout a morning. And you just got to, you have to be um, willing to look for those opportunities and be able to listen for them and be comfortable with yourself and your interview subjects that it's okay to kind of take the conversation in another direction um, if that's what feels right. Yeah. Okay. Um, that sounds incredible, especially that, that one that you just, you know, that story that you just shared. I, it's very brave of that young woman to share that and, and to, um, you know, take advantage of that platform in that way. Uh, it's such a, that's such a personal thing. And, um, you know, I, 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 I sincerely hope that folks listen to it and we're, you know, got some hope from it. Um, folks who might be struggling in the same way. Um, with respect to, uh, you know, if there's, if there's a couple of uh, BCI students or college students, Fordham students or otherwise out there who are listening and are thinking, um, you know, just like you looked up to Joe Shortsleeve uh, when, you were, um, when you were at BC High, you know, to the extent that there's someone out there who looks at you and says, hey, Keith McGilvery can do this, I, I want to do this too, what advice would you give someone like that who's thinking about entering this industry? My mom always told me never to be shy. I'm not a shy guy. You, you know, all folks can say is no. I have people reach out to me all the time, and I try to be as helpful as I can. Um, it's an attainable goal. You have to work really, really hard. Um, look for great opportunities. Don't be afraid to move or experience new things. Um, it's a lot of work, but I've enjoyed every minute of it, um, and it's doable. It's doable. There are sacrifices along the way, but I wouldn't be out of the decade later if I didn't think it was worth it. And if you see people on TV or you know an alum, whether it's in media or some other profession, I always say don't be afraid to pick up the phone, shoot an email. Um, the worst somebody can say is no. And I think that at least I found that more often than not, um, people are, are willing to help you out if they can. Especially, I would say, well, from my experience, especially the BC High community, um, I always feel that, you know, whenever I bump into someone from BC High, uh, it's like it's like you're speaking the same language immediately, and it always feels like everyone's willing to help everybody else. BC High is an incredible place. You know, I had shared with you that my dad passed recently in January, and um, the response that we got from his classmates, from my classmates, were incredible. I'm looking at a note that I received from Megan Danaher, who was my guidance counselor 20 years ago. And 20 years later, she's living in Connecticut, knows that I'm on TV, knows that my dad has passed, and has written a note to me offering my condolences, reflecting on what I was like as a student at BC High, and sharing her memories of my dad. Oh, wow. Uh, that's what BC High is all about. Those are the people who fill those hallways. Uh, a guidance counselor reaching out to a student 20 years later is a remarkable experience. Um, and that is that is who BC High is. That are, those are the people who make up those hallways. Um, and you'll find it professionally as well. Um, you might have to work Hard, hard to do it, but but those folks are out there, and I think this community wants to see uh, fellow grads and current students succeed. And um, I'm very, very fortunate on that front. Yeah, um, so sorry to hear about your dad, Keith. Um, oh yeah, thank you. So um, I I can't think of a better place to to wrap that up than than what you just shared. Uh, 
But before we go, is there anything you'd like to plug or um, you want to direct folks to your uh, social media? Uh, I am Keith McGilbrey on Instagram, so you can check me out there. We do a lot of fun stuff there at Keith underscore McGilbrey on Twitter and Keith McGilbrey on Facebook. Uh, and if you find yourself in Connecticut, don't be afraid to stop by and say hello. Shoot me a text. I'll give you a tour of the station. Uh, we're on Monday through Friday, 4 to 11. So you can't miss me uh, if you find yourself in the great state of Connecticut. But um, it has been great chatting with you. Oh, no, it's been great chatting with you. And, and just, just to make a personal plug, I follow Keith on Instagram, and it, it, it's pretty much a daily occurrence that what he puts up there makes me laugh uh, ridiculously hard. So it's a great follow. Um, Keith, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out on your Friday afternoon. Um, I know that you're heading off to, to, to get some rest soon, so I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, you do a great job with these podcasts. Happy to be a part of it. Thanks so much. All right, thank you. Congratulations on the on the new baby coming soon. What you what did you say? And I said congratulations on the new baby coming. Soon. Oh, thank you. Really, I I appreciate that. Yeah, we're we're excited. Uh, we don't know when, but but soon. So, all right, Keith. Thank okay. you so much. Yeah, take care. All right, bye bye. All right, that wraps up this episode of Back to the Point. Huge thank you to Keith McGillivray for being so patient with the scheduling uh, of this podcast. As I mentioned, well, he and I were talking. Originally, we wanted to do it live. I had to cancel at the 11th hour. And then he was good enough to say, you know, just let me know when you can do it, uh, whether it's by phone or in person. So we ended up doing it by phone. Uh, but I thought it was a great conversation. And I really appreciate Keith sticking with us and um, sharing himself uh, so willingly with us. So thank you to him. Uh, huge thank you to Kristen Brophy, who makes me sound much better at this than I actually am. Uh, so a huge thank you to her. Huge thank you to Colin Carter uh, and the whole team at BC High who kind of helps this thing, this podcast, keep going uh, every two weeks. Um, your support is obviously huge. So thank you to everyone over there. Uh, like I said in the intro, taking a little bit of a break just to, um, just to help <laughs> help figure out how to deal with uh, a new child and, and um, everything that comes with that. Parents who are listening know what I'm talking about, obviously. But uh, we're, lo we're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. But in the meantime, um, we'll be back in a little bit. Uh, I hope everyone has a great spring and a great beginning of the summer. Um, yeah, and thanks always for listening. It means a lot to me. Uh, we'll talk to you in a little bit.